being an entrepreneur is a whole different beast. And I tell people who ask me all the time, like we have like a hustle culture and like an entrepreneurship culture. And I tell people all the time, it's not for everyone. Like, do not think that you're going to quit your job because you don't like working for people and think you're going to go work less as an entrepreneur. You won't. That's not going to happen unless you just want to just want to have a hobby. Then, okay, fine. But if you want to build a business, you're going to work twice as hard, three times as hard than what you were doing before if you wanted to be successful. And so I... What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off the Cuff, where conversations lead to inspiration. I'm your host, Christian Palmer, and today I'm joined by a digital marketing expert and influencer strategist, someone who quit her nine to five to build an influencer marketing and talent management firm, CFG, focused on diversity and inclusion. Without further ado, here's Off the Cuff with Annalise Campbell. Annalise. Hey, how's it going? Chilling, man. How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. There's a lot to talk about today. I definitely want, you know, us to dig in a little deeper into the story, how yeah. you got to where you are. You know, you are somebody who really has a very indirect path to success, right? You've been through many of these things where you've said one of the things that I actually admire you said you never wanted to be a CEO. No. And look at you now, CEO yeah. and founder of CFG. Yeah. So Tell us a little bit more about how you got to this point. Yeah, so I think I did have just what I would consider a sense of direction. Like I always knew I wanted to work in advertising. Um, And like I was the kid, like I remember when like TiVo came out and you were able to like pause commercials and I would like go back if I saw a really good one. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'd bring my parents down and be like, you have to watch this. This was so good. Um, And now I think like as an adult, as I reflect on that, I think I did think there was something really interesting about being able to capture somebody's attention Mm. in a 15, 30 second time frame when, you know, most people will be like, oh, this is the perfect time to run to the bathroom during a commercial where I, I was the person who was like, no, I want to see it. Like, what is it going to be like? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to be for a wow. product that I think is cool? Um, and then my parents always used to joke that I, I could sell water to the ocean. And so they were like, you need to do something where you're selling or you know presenting ideas. And so I think they naturally saw those things and kind of gestured me into the right direction. But they it wasn't like oh, you have to do this. Um, And so that's kind of what I went into college thinking about. I was like, I wanted to pursue a career in advertising. Um, I had a, I didn't have a lot of people who had like connects in the industry in terms of like, you know, the big agencies that you think about. Um, What I had is an, an uncle who was a CEO of a hospital and said, you can go, intern at um the local ad agency that does our hospital ads and so that's what I started doing that was like my first internship um and it was great because I learned a lot about what at the time was like digital marketing so like when people were creating like blogs and like creating like paid ads to you know highlight their hospital services or whatever um and then at that point that was kind of all the experience I had like I did some activities in undergrad and then I was like okay I am going to go to grad school because I was concerned that my background wasn't going to be compelling enough to get me into the big agencies that I wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, And randomly, I was in like this three hour 
marketing elective class and um, the teacher was like, if you watch this documentary and stay for extra credit, like you'll get extra credit. And it was about this agency, the Martin Agency. Okay. And um, they're one of like the oldest marketing firms and advertising firms. They came up with like the Geico Gecko and like Oreo spots and stuff like that. And I had never heard of them. And so when I was an undergrad, I had a running list of all the agencies that I wanted to work for, but they weren't on there. So I added them to my list. I did some research and they had an internship program called the summer work, the student workshop. And so I applied, didn't think I was gonna get it. Like I kept, I was in the process of literally applying to grad school. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out that I got in. Wow. And so I packed up, I went to Virginia for the summer for like this two week advertising intensive. Um, and we were split up into groups and you had to come up with an idea with your group and then pitch that to the head of a food brand. So like the CMO was literally in the room when we pitched our idea. And so I had an idea and like my team kind of was like, oh, it's a joke. Like it's not a you know big idea. Like we kind of joked about it. And then our mentor was like, no, that's a really good idea. Like you should move forward with that. But we didn't get to that point till like the last minute. So we came in with like the worst presentation, the worst deck. Like all we had was this one idea that I had come up with that I was like, well, let's see if it works. And when we got feedback, like the CMO like ripped up a new one pretty much. And then he was like, however, this was like the best strategy out of all the groups. And then we won. And then <laughs> the idea that I pitched is like in the stores, like in stores right now, um, which is crazy, which is like really crazy. But I say that all to say that like that was my kind of, first initial what I consider like entry point into this field and so there have been a lot of situations in my career where people be like how are you so fearless how are you so humble like how are you able to kind of just jump into these situations and I'm like my first job out of college happened in 14 days and I had to pitch to a head of a fortune 500 company on wow. day 14 so like yeah nothing scares me anymore <laughs> And so that experience was really helpful for me. And so because of that, like it opened a lot of doors for me. So like my first job after that, like my first full-time job was at a small digital shop um, and I got hired to lead the team. Um, and it was really simply because of that experience. Like my boss had literally said to me at the time, she was like, you came from Martin, so you have to be good. Um, and then she was like, okay, and you're going to be leading this team of four. Don't be intimidated. They're all older than you. Wow. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, and so that was a really eye-opening experience. And I think I came into it like knowing what I didn't know because mm -hmm. I was the strategist on the team and the team lead, but there were copywriters on the team. There were SEO and SEM specialists on the team, like people who knew more than I did, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just like let them do their thing. Um, and, and it worked really well for us. Um, and I think that was a really good first, first full-time role for me. Um, then that company got bought out and I moved to a PR company in New York, Golan. Um, where I got hired as an associate um, and I kind of, I would say my experience at Golan was like life-changing mm -hmm. in, in a really good way because the team was really small and it was a situation where they were kind of like, if you can do the job, do it because no, we don't have anybody else to do it. And so that's when I got introduced to influencer marketing. So I got hired to work on a hotel brand. And at the time, like travel influencers were kind of becoming a thing, but not really. And our brand and our client was like, OK, well, there are all these people making all these YouTube videos, you know, reviewing our properties. Like, what do we do with them? And so I'm really into travel. So naturally, like, I kind of watched and consumed content generally, like as just a regular person, not as a marketer. Right. Um, and so they're like, OK, at least you lead it. And I was like, 
uh, okay, like I'll come up with something. Um, and at that point, like I had been just what I would consider like a traditional paid media expert. Cause that was all I was doing. Like I was running Facebook ads. I was coming up with like audience and targeting strategies. So like it was a very strategic, I had a very strategic brain. And so because influencer was so kind of new, I just applied those same like kind of rules of thumb to what we were doing with influencers. Um, and obviously, you know, influencers kind of blew up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did, right? yeah. Influencers kind of like, it's a whole different field now. Um, and so I had some really awesome opportunities. I was able to launch a brand at the Super Bowl with Pepsi and lead their entire influencer, um, launch. I pitched to the head of L'Oreal Paris on his first day. And he told me that I completely changed the way they thought about influencers, um, and those are some of the, yeah, those are some of my highlights. And I think at that point I was kind of like, okay, maybe you should just focus on influencers. Mm -hmm. And like, that's where my bosses were pushing me. Like that's kind of where the industry was pushing me. And it was something that I really liked doing. Um, and honestly at the time, like people weren't being super thoughtful and strategic about it. So the way we were applying it and like the way our teams were executing, our clients were like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Right. So I was like, okay, clearly the way, whatever way you're thinking about it works. Um, so I moved to Dallas with Golan, partly for love because my partner had moved to Dallas Look and I that. went to move <laughs> with him. Um, and I transferred to Golan Dallas and then I did some B2B work. So like um, enterprise influencer work as well. And then I went to another agency that focused on um, luxury retail and I was leading the influencer marketing work and paid media across the US for a global cosmetics brand. Mm. Um, and the funny thing about being like a New Yorker and moving to the South is that people move really differently. Mm. And so I had a lot of free time. Um, so I started freelancing. And I freelanced for this influencer, Jaleesa Vaughn, um, and she needed a video editor. And I knew how to edit videos. I was like, All right, I'll, I'll edit your videos. And Premiere? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm a premier girl. Sure. I feel like it's so easy. Other people don't, YouTube, but whatever. Yo, YouTube is <laughs> teaching me a lot about premiere. Um, yeah. So on the side, I was her video editor. And one time in passing, she told me how much she was getting paid for the brand video that I was editing. And I was like, you're getting severely underpaid. Mm. And she was like, wait, what do you do? And I was like, this is my day job. Like I'm an influencer marketer strategist. Like that's my job. And she was like, can you please be my manager? Wow. Like, on the side, like just for, like, I just need help. Like I'll find another agency later, but for right now, like I need help. And so what happened was at that time, like she was, you know, not, I wouldn't say she was struggling, but she was investing everything that she made back into the business, which was a great move for her. Um, but like in the six months that we were working together, like her business quadrupled wow. from just having the right person on her team, being able to kind of educate and push in the right direction. And so, at that point, I had kind of like seen the writing on the wall in the sense that like, okay, you have you have the ability to make tangible impact on people's lives. This is something that you're really good at. This is something that you're passionate about. And it like is changing the way people can live. Right. And that's really important. Um, and so then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to quit my job. And I wasn't really confident in that. And like what you talked about earlier about like, I never wanted to be a CEO, like, I would probably have a million dollars right now for the amount of times I told everybody else that. Because other people would be like, one day we're all going to be working for you. You should run your own thing, blah, blah, blah. And I used to be like, no. Like, I have no interest in doing that. And so when this opportunity presented itself, that to be 100% honest, like, I prayed a lot about it. But my boyfriend had a conversation with me and he said, how is it that you're able to be so confident working on somebody else's business but can't be that confident working on yours? Mm. And I was like, damn. 
That one hit. I'm like, that's a bar. That's a Jeez, fact. Like, what a gem. Damn. And so after that, like, we we had some finance conversations about like what I would need to do to kind of like be able to pay my part of the rent and like survive if I if I were gonna go on this journey. And after that, I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna quit my job. Wow. Yeah. Long winded answer about how I got here, but I think it's, but I it's think worth. It's- telling <laughs> absolutely and i think you painted a, a great picture kind of every step of the way and i know we walked through your journey a little bit but i'm sure there you know your journey wasn't easy right i'm sure it comes challenges i'm sure there's some of the things that we don't necessarily see that you know sometimes you probably don't even have a chance to share right and i kind of want to dig it a little bit more into that because i think it's important for us to understand you know with the success also comes the grind the struggle and a lot of sleepless nights, I'm sure. So tell us a little bit more about the challenges you face and what you've learned along the way. Yeah, I believe in a couple of things, but I'll, I will say, like, especially when I worked at Golden and I was like building my career, like I worked 80 hours, 100 hours a week. I would sometimes leave the office at like well after midnight. And it wasn't a like doing it because you want to be the first one in, last one out. It was because like I wanted to achieve the results I was trying to achieve. And sometimes that took a 12 hour workday. And so like my friends always used to joke, they'd be like, don't even invite Annalise out on Friday. She's not coming. Like she, (laughs) she worked her ass off. She's literally not going to come outside on Friday. And that's what I would tell my friends. I'm like, I'm not going out because I've worked my ass off and now I just need to rest. And so I think one of the things that were challenging um, for me, but it was something that I always understood because like I come from a family of immigrants. Like my dad came here when he was 19, like pretty much by himself. Um, And like his, he didn't get a college degree and now he's like senior VP for a global banking firm. And like, so by all accords, he shouldn't have ended up where he did. But what I saw when I was growing up was a man who used to literally come home super late, work really hard, tuck his kids into bed, read them a story, come to field trips, even if he was like half asleep because he didn't get to sleep the night before. Um, And I think that taught me a lot about hard work. And I think I had a lot of people in my life around me who also said the same thing to me. Like my godfather, same story, came came to America like really young and then retired after working for the UN as an accountant. So like, and he used to tell me, he's like, sometimes you're just going to have to eat shit. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes, like, the world is going to hand you a, a shitty situation, and you're just going to have to eat it. Like, you can't complain. You need to just get up and work for it. And so that was my mentality. And so, like, there were a lot of things that happened, specifically, like, as a woman and as a woman of color. Like, I remember being in certain environments. Like, one specific instance, like, my boss made a comment about the shoes that I was wearing, and he was like, aren't those, like, inappropriate? And then my white coworker, who wore pretty much the same exact shoes, she was like, I wear those pretty much every day, and you've never said anything to me. Wow. Why are you saying that to Annalise? And I used to be like, it's a fair question. Um, and so I dealt with things like that. And again, I think that was really what drove home like diversity, inclusion, equity is so important. Mm. And luckily for me, like that's one isolated incident. It's like I was in an environment where I was really empowered and I got a lot of opportunities. But I also recognize that like darker complexioned women in my office didn't get those same opportunities. Mm. Like I was able to see that pretty clear as day. Um, and so that was something that I struggled with a lot. But I always said, like, if I get the opportunity to be in charge, it won't look like that because nobody deserves to feel that way. And so I dealt with a lot of things like that, like a lot of doubt in some sense, but I think I always kind of was like, you got to just fake it till you make it because there are white boys out here right now who don't deserve a hundred thousand dollars a year, but they are asking for it. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do? You're going to keep your mouth shut. Closed mouths don't get fed. So 
I kind of just was like, you got to just grind through it. Um, but I will say it's not, it wasn't easy, especially as an entrepreneur. I can't, like, I thought I went through like peak stress in like a typical New York agency experience. Like being an entrepreneur is a whole different beast. And I tell people who ask me all the time, like we have like a hustle culture and like an entrepreneurship culture and i tell people all the time it's not for everyone like do not think that you're going to quit your job because you don't like working for people and think you're going to go work less as an entrepreneur you won't that's not going to happen unless you just want to just want to have a hobby then okay fine but if you want to build a business you're going to work twice as hard three times as hard than what you were doing before if you wanted to be successful and so i always tell people like this is not a walk in the park it's not anything easy, but it's worth it, especially if you go after it for the right reason. And I think I learned a lot of hard lessons when like those first couple of months, like even when my my partner quit his job and came to work for me in like a CFO capacity and we got into arguments, like I was like, no, don't do that. Like that's so much pressure on me. Like I'm supporting our, fa- our like our little family, yeah. me, you and our dog. Like that's <laughs> all on my shoulders yeah. right now. And in hindsight, I'm like, there's not even a lot of responsibilities. There are people who are leaving their cushy C-suite jobs to build stuff and they have a whole family to support. And like I, that was a tough moment for me because I was like, are you going to be able to do it? Like, are you going to be able to pull through and build something successful enough where at the end of the day, like he can quit his, his cushy finance job and you guys will be okay. And luckily like we ended up being fine, but it was, I I, like had a lot of sleepless nights when that happened. Like I was like, you're going to quit your job now. And he was so confident. Like he had not a doubt in the world. He was like, no, I see what you're trying to build. It's super scalable. Like, let me help you scale it. Wow. And I was like, Oh fuck us, bro! Like, <laughs> Damn, we're fucked. <laughs> but look at that you you've been building something so empowering, and you know I just I I'm just so grateful to just have this conversation yeah, with too. you. And I think it's like you said, this is now more than ever. This is so needed. Yeah, you know, and I think it's so important for you. So, in addition to you know. And shout out to, to to your partner and your man for taking that leap of faith with you because that's big, you know. And uh, you talked a little bit about advice and the lessons you learned along mm-hmm. the way. You know, now you being a CEO and building a team, right, of eight, and you say you want to scale to 11. What are some of the lessons you hope your team learns from you? Yeah, so I think when I was at Golan, I was really lucky um, where my CEO approached me and asked me to be his reverse mentor. Um, and when I got the email, I was like, why, why, why is this, why am I getting this email? And so when we had our first meeting, I asked him, I was like, why did you ask me to be your reverse mentor? And he was like, well, I think there's a lot I could learn from you. And I was like, expand on that. (laughs) Um, And he was like, you know, I'm a white male British CEO. Um, I have a lot of privilege. I came from a lot of privileged experiences. You are a person of color, a black woman in this industry. Um, And honestly, like you're one of the shining stars of the agency. I feel like I could learn a lot from you. Mm. And that taught me so much about running a business and being a leader. And I'm so grateful for that experience because I got to ask him a lot of the questions that people couldn't. Like we used to have one-on-ones monthly and like we had a lot of difficult conversations. We had a lot of conversations about like race, gender, politics, like just so many different things that impact workplace cultures that you don't like even really think about until you're in the, the position of leadership. And so one of the things that became very clear to me was 
empowering your workforce. And I stand by that. My team, if my team says anything about me, they'll be like, Annalise will we us to death. She will never say me. She'll never say I. Like, it's we. And I'm like, it is. Yeah. No, it literally is. And for me, like having people who feel empowered at work is so important. That's a lesson that I got in so many different ways because like you can't speak up if you're not empowered. You can't flag that something's wrong if you're not empowered. You can't push a really brilliant idea in a room full of others if you're not empowered. Like that doesn't happen. People will shy away from all of those things and shrink themselves when they don't feel like they're in an environment that fosters growth and productivity. And so for me... That was one of like the biggest lessons I took from my career and becoming a leader eventually was like, you need to empower people. People can't walk in the room and say, oh, I don't feel comfortable saying what I need to say because Annalise is here. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I tried, I've tried and I'm still trying really hard to make sure it gets instilled across my teams because I want them to be the brightest, br brightest, loudest, most passionate group of people and feel like, yeah, I'm going to share my ideas no matter who's in the room because I, I think they deserve to be heard. Um, and so that I, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned about like being a leader um, throughout my career. No, that's beautiful. And I'm so happy you share that because I think it is important just to empower and the inclusiveness, right, of just the we. It's 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 small, but very, very effective. And yeah. they carry it all throughout. And I'm sure your team is learning that and more and beyond and stuff. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, mentorship. <laughs> mentorship yeah. that's such a big thing even for me personally right and i think it, it helps you just with sometimes redirection just direction in general bouncing off ideas just learning from those who have walked the path that yep. you're looking to walk or vice versa right um talk to me why mentorship for you is so important yeah it, i have a reminder on my account on my phone right now every two weeks reach out to your mentor so i don't forget because they have so much wisdom that I don't have and they're able to give me perspective in ways I would have never thought about. And I think the other thing too is like, we are our harshest critic and I am like so critical of myself and I'll find myself in situations where I'm talking to my mentors and they'll be like, well, that's brilliant. And I'm like, I thought that was horrible. But it's good like that you, this very successful, established smart person thinks that what I'm saying is brilliant because I was over here like downplaying it and being like, oh my God, that's so dumb. Who would ever want to do that? And so it's really good for providing perspective, especially if you put yourselves in, in, in situations where you feel uncomfortable. One of my mentors now, like he's at Nike and like when we first started working together, I was like, wow, this guy is brilliant. This, I want to learn as much as I can, but I'm also like scared to talk to him. And so... I always felt like with mentorship, like you got to go all in and, and just take as many shots as you can because you never know who's going to say yes, who's going to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'd love to talk to you. And so I've gone into it kind of fearlessly. I wouldn't say like maybe brash. I don't know. But <laughs> I kind of was just like, well, let's just try. Like yeah. what is the worst that can happen? And so it's so important to make sure that you are not so much in your own head that you can't see things for what they are. Mm. And I think mentors really help clear the fog because I think it, especially as you're building and getting started in your career like it's so easy to just get bogged down by so many things that kind of cloud your judgment honestly and so when I have conversations with, the, with my mentors it's like literally a shot of clarity and I need that as a business owner and as a, as a person who's a building a team like it, it's it's so vital for me to be able to kind of just bounce ideas off of someone who I know knows more than me yeah that's that's so beautiful. And I'm the same way when it comes to mentorship. Now, in regards to just sharing advice and tips, because I want to lean on that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You've been flowing so many gems. I want to <laughs> keep you going on that story. 
Um, can you share some tips and advice on how we should be representing ourselves when speaking to just when we're getting a seat at the table, when yeah. we're speaking to brands, yeah. like when it comes to either influencers or just people in general, people who are, like you said, like people of color, mm -hmm. black creators, black influencers, like how should we be representing ourselves when, yeah. we, when we get a seat at that table? Yeah. I think one thing that has stuck with me while I've done this is that nobody can articulate your value the way you can. Mm. And so you need to go into any of those situations knowing very clearly, like, what value do I add? If you can confidently say, this is what I bring to the table, and I, f nobody else is going to do that, then that's the best jumping off point you have versus saying, oh, man, there's so many other influencers out there that do so many other things. Like, maybe I could be a part of it. No, not maybe. Yeah. No, what do you do differently? Do you over-index with black women who love skincare? then yeah, you'd be really great to work with NARS or whomever. And you need to articulate that. And I also think specifically for people of color, especially when we talk about marketing, advertising, consumer packaged goods, whatever, we move culture. Mm. Culture does not move without black people and people of color. And so I think it's important to know that that value is priceless that is why brands go out and write copy and said that says hot girl summer like Word. that is exactly. the reason that is the reason because it resonates with everyone mm. with everyone it doesn't matter where you come from what background you have like people can understand and feel vibes and swag and culture and they want to emulate it and so for me as a marketer like when i see people of color struggling to kind of articulate their value i'm like bro you are the value mm -hmm. you are the culture you shape everything that marketers are thinking about doing right now tiktok would not be tiktok without black creators wow. there is none of that that exists without people of color and i think the sooner people of color realize that and understand that and can figure out how to articulate that value, the better off they'll be. Because I think we shy away from these opportunities a lot of the time. Like we say, oh my gosh, Lysol wants to work with me. Oh my God, I'll give them whatever they want. No, you shouldn't. Right. You shouldn't. You should know going into it. Okay, what are you guys looking for? What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Here's the best way that I can get you there. And I think brands have to understand that and respect that because for an industry that has overlooked so many people for so long, I don't really think you have the authority to decide how this is going to go down at for this sure. point. Like, because you've done it wrong. That's why brand consumers were so upset last year with like George, George Floyd and everything that was going on. That's why consumers were screaming, literally, do better. So like, the ball is now in our court and it should have been a long time ago. And I think... That's one of the things that, that I think people of color, any person that is underrepresented and doesn't feel seen needs to know and understand is like, what value do you bring? I don't really care about what everybody else is doing. What do you bring to the table and how can you articulate that? Because the sooner you're able to do that, the better off brands will be able to understand and, and kind of reconcile that, wow, what you have to offer is really special. Boom. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you see, I knew I wanted to keep you just going and going. And that's so beautiful because I think what, what makes us unique is just us. Yeah. The way we think, our experiences, the way we articulate things. And like you said, culture doesn't move without us, no. right? And that's so important. Now, on the flip side, right, mm -hmm. I think it's important also for brands to understand. Yeah. Um, what do you want brands to understand when working with us yeah. on this side? I think they need to understand, especially if they don't have people who look like us in the room, that you 
probably should give us a bit more creative freedom. Mm. I've been in situations where like we'll get a brief for an influencer and it'll be like a hair care campaign. This is literally has happened. And um, our client wore wigs and protective styles. And so when we got on the phone with the brand, they were like, I don't understand why she can't show her hair. I'm like, she doesn't show her hair. Like there, what, what part of what I'm saying don't you understand? But I was talking to a bunch of white women who had no context wow. at all. And so we had to say like, if you give her this product and don't let her talk about it on a wig, all of her audience is going to be like, what the hell is this? Like, this makes no sense. The most poignant example I can give you of that, I went to a conference one time and this, like, this, I think she's like in the Advertising Hall of Fame now, but wow. um, she was an executive for Coca-Cola. And she told this story that has sat with me forever. She said they spent like a million dollars on this commercial. It had to be like in the 90s. And they wanted to appeal to a more diverse audience. And so they shot this commercial. It was in a beach in New York. The black mom was at the beach with her kids um, having a good time. They come out of the water. She gives her kids a Coke. And they're like, oh, spot is great. Run it. Put millions of dollars behind it. Whatever. The spot tanked. Like, didn't drive results, wasn't impactful any way, shape, or form. So when she got hired, they were talking about the spot. Like, what happened? She was like, black women don't get their hair wet. Mm. So you having this mom come out of the ocean with her hair dripping wet is just unrealistic. And she was like, no one in this room of executives thought about that. Not once. Wow. And so for me at this point with brands, like they need to understand, especially if they don't have representation in the room, you're not really in a space to dictate what people of color should be doing. Like I think, like I'm a marketer, so like I'm not about to say like, oh, everybody just do whatever they want and hope that it's a good representation mm -hmm. of the brand. No, like there should be guardrails. There should be like well-written briefs, but you should also give creators the freedom to do what they do best because they've built this audience without you. <laughs> they didn't become popular because of Lysol or right. Tide or whomever. No, they became popular for being Chanel, for being Jalisa, for being Amina. Like they, that's what they became popular for. So if you want them to authentically talk about your product, then you should probably let them do it with their Amina voice, Chanel voice, or Jalisa voice. And that'll probably work out better than you giving them exact copy that Molly, no offense to Molly, wrote and said, oh yeah, go run that on your page. Like that's not going to work. And consumers are going to see right through that. And so brands need to understand that you have to give a little bit of creative freedom to these partners that you work with. Otherwise, how is that a partnership? It's not. You're just, I'm just an ad. You're just giving me copy. I'm going to run it. You could do that on Vogue. You could do that on Twitter. You could do that on Instagram. You could do that with a TikTok ad. So yeah. then why are you doing it with me? Wow. Look at that. So how is CFG now shaping and shifting the game? Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think we're, we're doing... A lot. I think, you know, for us, I think it's important that we have a fully diverse roster of over 30 something creators. Like, and I think that's not normal. And so, like, I remember I was having a conversation with someone from, um, I can't say the brand's name, but we were having a conversation. I sent them the roster and she was like, oh my gosh, like, I thought this was your, um, like, multicultural division. I was like, no, this is the whole thing. Mm. This is it. And she was like, I was so impressed because like we never come across that. Like we we'll never see a roster that is so diverse and multicultural. Wow. And so for me, like we have conversations with my team. Sometimes we find influencers that we think would be really, really good that I'm like, yeah, but do they fit what we're looking for for in terms of diversity, inclusion and equity? Like mm -hmm. if they don't check that box, there are thousands of agencies that will rep them no matter what.
And so I'd rather give the opportunity to people who don't get that. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate now, like brands are scrambling and, and trying to figure it out. And I, I tell people all the time, like, just be able to see through the bullshit. Because at the end of the day, like yeah. you go to an agency, they're going to make you money. That's mm -hmm. what they do. Right. But are you going to be a number on a roster or are you going to be someone that people are invested in and care about your success and want to build a business with you. And I think that's what we do. Like a lot of our clients say things like it's a family, like they're, they care about me as a person. And it's true because I do, because if I wanted to just make a shit ton of money, I could have just worked at Facebook. Yeah. Like not that I'm not going to make a shit ton of money. I'm going to, I'll try yeah, my best. Absolutely. But if I wanted to just do it soullessly, no offense to Facebook, like I could just go work for any tech company and just run their influencer division. Yeah. That's not what I want to do. I want to change people's lives. I want to help people. I want to build generational wealth for people because I think we've been missing that for so long in an industry that spends billions of dollars trying to get us to buy stuff. How does that make sense? It doesn't. And so I think that's what we do differently. Like, I think we just have a different approach. And like, honestly, I wasn't in it for the money. Like what made my decision really easy was being able to see very clearly the impact I had on my first client's life. She now is a millionaire made her first million dollars built her own house from the ground up has a family and that was in three years of us working together wow so like is it who i'm thinking it is julissa yeah Dope. i don't know if she announced that she's a million made a million dollars yet but Yo, she's very shout close out, shout out to her um yeah when she talked about it she was like at 700k and now she's past the, the million mark that's but beautiful that that's was a big winners and so for me being able to see that tangible impact on someone's live life who looks like me mm. i'm like yeah i'll do that in a heartbeat and i, I teach it. my team that's what we do this for if you don't want to do it for that go somewhere else no no love lost yeah but if that's not why you're here then you can go somewhere else wow and elise i love that and <laughs> i i know that mission that core mission is always at the core and i think that's so beautiful it keeps it keeps you going day in and day out yeah. And, you know, we, we have segment on into the show um, where we kind of just share what's next for you, what's next for CFG. Mm -hmm. So I lo would love to know a little bit more, you know, what can we expect from you moving forward? Yeah, um, I, I think we're really focused on growth right now. Um, for me, if I had to be like 100% honest, like pie in the skies, like I want to be the most well-known diverse agency. Um and so hopefully we get there. I think we're also thinking about a couple of new markets that are now emerging that we think representation is going to be really important in. I'm not going to spill all the sauce, but I think like you think about Gen Z, you think about TikTok, you think about athletes. Like there's a lot of new opportunities that are arising where people are going to need representation and management. So we're definitely thinking about that. Um, I think one of the things that have come to light for me is that I don't have to be the company that gets acquired. I can acquire other companies yeah. when I get to a certain scale. And so I might be plotting some version of world domination, but But yeah, no, I think I think we're really just focusing on like growing successfully because I think there is a risk when you grow too fast. And even when I look at our growth, I'm like that that how did we get from here to there? And I have other people in my and from other industries who kind of help ground me who will say there are companies that grow twice as fast, three times as fast and aren't even profitable. Wow. Like, don't worry about that. Like what you're doing is working. So keep that momentum. Um, and so that's really it. Growing, scaling. 
have a bet with my team right now. Um, <laughs> we had an internal goal. Like if we did $2.5 million in brand deals, like that was our goal for the year. And then we passed that like, wow. like a month and a half ago. Yes, sir. And so <laughs> they set a new goal, but they said, if we reach that goal, you have to take us all to Hawaii. So they're pretty close. Nice. Um, and now I have to figure out who's going to do all that work when we go to Hawaii, but wow. hopefully they, they make goal. Cause that would be great. Um, and then we'll be on a nice team retreat after Q4 Madness or something like that. Yo, that's beautiful, son. <laughs> I'm going to take a look at your career site. <laughs> but listen, Annalise, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And we have a segment onto the show where um, we give people their flowers. And I just want to give you your flowers you. for all that you do, for all that you do for your team, and just for the amounts of influencers that you already changed their lives, but the ones that are going to be coming in the future that you're going to continue paving the way for them as well. Yeah. So... I just want to give you your flowers for that. So just keep going there. I appreciate it. And on the flip side, I would love for you to share who would you give your flowers to? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Um, Who would I give flowers to? I would give my flowers to all of the men and women who work in my industry, who are nameless, faceless, who make sure that brands are doing the right thing for all the people who have sent a email when they weren't probably comfortable and said, Hey, this might not play out the way we think it will for all of the people who keep this industry moving, who we literally will never know about. Um, I give my flowers to them because they're honestly doing work in a space that was built by white men and then dominated by white women and there aren't a lot of us, and I know there are so many of you guys that are nameless and faceless. Um, and so I give my flowers to y'all. Wow, that was beautiful. This clap, yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> you know, um, in addition to that, we also have this thing that we call it's called the Hidden Gems okay. Pot of Gold. Okay. And all I'm going to ask you is to pick a question. It's all randomized. Uh -huh. A question out of here. Read it out loud and just say whatever comes off the cuff. Okay. So let me shake it first so okay. you know that something's in here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just go in there. Pick one. Okay. Read it out loud and let's hear it. What's a lesson you wished you learned sooner and why? Oh, man. Um, I wish I would have learned sooner... That there is way more money out there in the world because I felt like especially growing up around immigrant parents and family members like they would always anytime somebody brought up money that's grown folk business don't don't get involved <laughs> with that and I think they're like don't get me wrong like I understand that but I also think there's a detriment because when I started meeting other people who worked in other industries and like stuff like that and we'd have conversations like I, I thought six figures was like the cap. Mm. I genuinely felt like, okay, if you make $100,000, like that's the best of the best. Like there, there's no need to go higher than that. There's there's nothing more than that. And I'm realizing now that there are people who build companies that are only six months old, that are not even profitable, that are getting bought out for a million dollars. And so like that understanding of finance and possibilities, I wish I would have learned that sooner because mm. I think it would have taught me to just dream bigger. Like I mm. think the, the way I contextualized my dreams were just confined a bit because I didn't know that it it was even possible like I the fact that like we are going to be two years old in November and like we're pretty much close to being like three quarters of a million dollars in revenue almost a million dollars in revenue wow. 
I would have been like there. That's not physically possible. Like if I didn't learn what I had learned, I would have thought there's no way that that's possible because I didn't have any points of reference. And so I always say this to, especially people of color, talk about money, talk about how much you make, talk about how much your bonus is, talk about what you do with that money, talk about how you invest that money because silence will prevent the dissemination of information. Wow. And so if you're quiet about it and you just build in silence, you are not helping anyone else build behind you. Yeah. And that's a disservice. Not to say like every person of color needs to like spread the gospel of yeah. finance, but it's just that I think it, it, it confined the way I dreamt and I wish I would have known like there is so much money out in the world to be made, so much wealth to be built and shared. It, it would have blew my mind if I knew that a little bit earlier. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. And Elise, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, before we wrap up, I would love to learn a little bit more of uh, where can we support you and uh, how do we well, how do we best support you and where can we follow you? Yeah, um, you can follow the brand at CFG Talent. Um, you can follow me on Instagram too, Annalise.Alexandra. Uh, I think the way you can support us is like follow our creators, like their content, engage with their stuff um, and can support all creators because there's so many of them and people like fail to realize like a like, a comment, a share, a swipe up is so valuable for their business. Um, so I would say, you know, just just support the creators that look like you that tell your stories um, because that support will will help them build businesses. Absolutely. Onward and upward. Yeah. I love that. Pay it forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep it going. Well, there you have it. That was Off the Cuff with Annalise Campbell.